0: Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. For though by the first time you ought to be teachers, you need someone teach you again. The first principles of the oracles of God. And you come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. The solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised, discern both good and evil therefore leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ let us go on to perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of doctrines of baptisms of laying on of hands of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment and this we will do if God permits when we think about commands of God. We think about sins against God. I want to think about them from two different perspectives this morning. One, those things that are absolute. And second, those things that are directional. When we think about those things that are absolute, we think about the things that are mentioned specifically like in the list of Galatians chapter 5, Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. fornication, adultery, drunkenness, revelry, strife, envy, and so forth. You have those things that are absolute. Those things that are committed in a moment and they're through. And you have a specific, absolute declaration about those things. And there can be some of those things that relate to the heart as well. For example, Matthew chapter 5, verse 28. Whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already with her in his heart. And so there's a heart consideration, something that is absolute, something stated specifically that we recognize. Actually, if we stayed there, it'd be real easy. And it'd be real easy if if the Lord had done us a favor and wrote a book of do's and don'ts, capitalizing all the do's and all the don'ts, so we could read those things. But you also find things that are directional. Things that are directional. For example, in Acts chapter 8, when you have Simon the sorcerer who is taught, who's baptized, and then he sees Peter, sees Paul uh, uh, performing the miracles. He sees Peter performing miracles. And he comes to Peter and says, hey, I'd like to buy some of that. And Peter said, your heart is not right with God. Silver and gold I have not to give to you, but that which offers comes from the hand of God I have to offer to you. There's something about the direction that he's going. It's not an absolute thing that is mentioned there, but he says, Your heart is not right. You are going in the wrong direction. And so you have those things that are directional. And actually, that's what you have in Hebrews chapter 5, leading into the end of chapter 6. Notice again, he says, For by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You'll find in that reading, anything that is mentioned that is of an absolute nature, what you find him saying is, you're going in the wrong direction. When you turn like to 1 Corinthians, and you look through 1 Corinthians, and you see the problems that are there, he specifically names them. In the first four chapters, he talks about their their propensity to have a good case of preacheritis. And then in in chapter 5, he talks about the idea of a man who is in fornication, chapter 6, he talks about brother, having gone law with brother. and goes on through the book. He comes to chapter 15. He talks about those things that have to do relative to the Lord's Supper and abuses of that. And misunderstandings of that. And so all the way through, you find those things in Corinth that are mentioned like that. You don't find those things mentioned. You'll find those things mentioned like that in the book of Hebrews. But there's also something else you don't find mentioned in the book of Corinthians. You also don't find him saying, you're going in the wrong direction. Hebrews have nothing specific that is absolute stated about them, but they're going in the wrong direction. And while the Corinthians have an immense number of things that are stated specifically about them, he doesn't chastise them, he does not rebuke them because they're headed in the wrong direction. In fact, you see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Because in chapter 5, he rebukes the church. Out of the 13 verses there, there are 12 verses addressed to the church because they have not mourned about this man living among their fellowship and have not separated themselves from him. The question is, what will they do? How will they respond? Paul's concerned about that. When he leaves, he's concerned about that. When he leaves, he said, look, I want to come see you again. But when I come, I want to be with love. I don't want to be with a rod. But if I have to come with a rod, I'll come with a rod. He's anxious about this until Titus comes and tells him, hey, Everything is great. They received your letter, and everything's wonderful. And in 2 Corinthians, you see how they have responded because in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, I think with regard to the man in chapter 5, get your foot off his throat. You keep putting your foot on the throat of the man who has repented. Get your foot off his throat and give him a chance to rise above what has happened. Give him a second chance to make himself as a better reputation, a better character. And so you see them there, with a direction that they're headed, but they're not headed in a direction that the Hebrews are headed in. When we think about things that are directional, it's a little bit harder to think about by contrast or comparison, things that are absolute. We see the absolute sense; Those things are often plain enough for us. But those things that are directional... It makes it be something like this, that, that you observe something about someone and you just begin to listen to the way they talk. Just begin to watch their, their habit of life, their lifestyle. And you can't put your finger on it with 100% pre- precision, but you think there, there's, something, there's something going on here, there's something wrong here. Someone's headed in the wrong direction here. That's the Hebrews. He said, the time has come. You ought to be teachers. You're going in the wrong direction, but now someone needs to teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. And so we see that that among ourselves as well. In verse 14 of chapter 5, he will say, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You see the direction they're going? The direction they're going is not someone not to teach them. The direction they're going is, here you have those who have now grown to a place of maturity where they can eat what he calls solid meat as opposed to the milk of the Word. You see the growth process that's taking place. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul will talk about this same kind of idea. In 2, Corinthians, 2 Timothy chapter 3, notice beginning in verse 1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And notice the absolutes here. For women will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness but denying its power he says from such turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins led away by various lusts always learning never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Did you notice the distinction the shift in things there? In the first like five verses, he begins to talk about the absolute things that are mentioned here. And he says, the problem with that is, it's waxing worse and worse. Again, go back to Corinth. He does, never says of Corinth, they're waxing worse and worse. But here he says, they're waxing worse and worse. But then he comes to this thing that's a little bit harder to define, and he says, always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of truth. I don't think what he's saying there is someone has a hunger for education. They keep love. They keep loving to go to college, keep loving to take college courses. But here's someone who's headed in a, in a direction. They're heading in a direction where they're always learning, and they never come. They never come, he says, to the knowledge of the truth. They're always searching for something, they're always in that direction. And then he says, now as Janice and Jambres resisted Moses, so these also resisted the truth, men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith, He says, but they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs was also. Did you see where this always learning, never come to knowledge of truth leads? This always learning, never come to the knowledge of truth. He says, leads to they resist, they resisted Moses. When they resisted Moses, they resisted God. That's what the Lord tells Moses. They never come. They're always going in that direction and they're never satisfied. It's kind of like this. Here's someone that, that you speak about some sin or some strong consideration. And someone says, well, you'll have to prove it to me. Wait a minute. You'll have to prove it to me? You'll have to prove me wrong? Wait, which direction are we headed here? Because here's the deal. I may be able to prove you wrong one time. But the time will come in which you will have your feet set in concrete. I have my feet set in concrete. I will not move that you will not be able to prove me wrong. Because there's a direction that's going, taking place. And when you have someone that says, well, you'll just have to present the evidence and you just have to prove me wrong. That's not, that's not the attitude here. He says, those kind of people always resist. You can't present enough evidence for me. You can't present enough to prove me wrong, to make me change my mind. Where do you go with someone like that? When you have something with someone, how, where do you go with someone like that? There's no place else to go. Because anywhere you go from there is there's going to be nothing resolved. Because they don't have a direction about them that's willing to sit down and learn and consider. Maybe you've not had that experience before, but it's real. And so he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3: Here are those. Who are always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, and they finally wind up resisting, they're going in the wrong direction. It may be hard to put our finger on, but you can see the direction that they're following. Sin is not ingenious. And that was not an ingenious statement. Sin, sin is not sin is rather monotonous, actually. Sin is rather boring, actually. Because you see the signs of it a long way off. Again, here's someone that you're concerned about, and you come to approach them, and they say, what's wrong? I'm fine. But you just see the direction that they're walking. You listen to the way they talk. You see how they're headed. And you try to pull them back, but there's a resistance that's there. And then you find out there's some absolute thing that is absolutely wrong because they've been walking in the wrong direction. And so there are things that are absolute and those things that are directional as well. But it's not just with regard to sin. There are those things that have to do with commands as well. It's not just directional sin, absolute sin. It also has to do with directional commands as well. Go back to uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 6 now. Hebrews chapter 6. Look at the first part there of what he says in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 6 in verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ... Let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from the dead works and of faith toward God. Did you get the directional command there? It's not an absolute thing. Let us go on to perfection. If I give you, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, that's absolute. But here he says, let us go on to perfection. What is that perfection? Let us go on to maturity. In Matthew chapter 5, coming down to verse 44 and going down to the end of the the chapter there, especially verse 48, he talks about, be ye perfect as your Father is perfect. And he's talking about the highest order of what's under consideration there. And the highest order of what's under consideration there is love. And he talks about how you ought to love someone that's doing you wrong, speaking evil against you, or, or hurting you. And he talks about how when you do that, you love like the Father because that's how the Father loves. He says here, let us go on to perfection. Let us go on to maturity. There's something wrong. There's something wrong when when after years that we ought to have gone on to perfection, we're still just able to digest the milk of the Word. There's something wrong in the direction that we're going. So he says, let us go on to perfection. There's a challenge to us that we don't just stay an arm's length from the baptistry, but that we take what God has given and we continue to grow and continue to mature. In fact, look at this in Romans chapter 12. Look at Romans chapter 12. And look at verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2. You see this directional consideration once again. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, notice that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable for God, which is a reasonable service, and not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. You see the directional thing there? If we're presenting our bodies, that, that's not an absolute thing. But then he says, don't be conformed to this, but be transformed. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This idea of, of conformed, don't be pressed into the mold. Don't be pressed into the image of something. Don't let the world press you into that image, into their image, but you be, you be transformed by how? By the renewing of the mind. That doesn't take place in a moment. That's something that's a direction that we walk. This idea of being transformed is not something that we do one time and we're done with it and we leave it behind. This idea of transformation is something that's always ongoing. And so he says, let us be transformed. Let this transformation always be taking place. Again, there's something wrong about the direction that we walk. When after years of having been a Christian that the transformation is no further down the road than it was when we first started. It may be that when we first start and and that we were raised from this watery grave, that the imprint of Satan upon us is still there. The imprint of his character, the imprint of his habits, they're still there. What has changed is a new relationship because there has been a new mind put in place. But it ought to be with the passing of time and with growth that goes on to perfection that takes place, we ought to look less and less like Satan and more and more like Christ. It ought to be that Satan's character, Satan's habits are burned out of us and the character of Christ and the habits of Christ become second nature to us. And so transformation takes place, what? Over a period of time. The couple's been married multiple years. 40 plus years they can finish each other's sentence why? because they know how the other one thinks there's something of the other person in them that has impressed them and helped them grow together where the thought process is much the same there's a transformation that takes place in that So when we think about this idea of something directional it's really a consequential thing to consider which direction am I going Which direction am I growing? Am I growing in the direction of being transformed like Him? Or am I no further down the road than I was when I started? How far have I grown? (laughs) But think about those kinds of questions. Think about it from the standpoint of, will I be more spiritually minded in this coming year than I was in the previous year? Will I have a better knowledge of God's Word in this coming year than I did in the previous year. Well, I look more like Christ this year than I did the previous year. Will I be able to serve like Christ more this year than I did last year? You see the progress. You see the direction that we're going. And so the real question is: Which direction are we walking? It's not a matter of absolutes. All of us see the absolutes. All of us know the absolutes. We can start over here and go all around go all the audience and we catch everything in Romans 1, one, first Corinthians six, and Galatians chapter five. We catch that, we know those things. But which direction are we walking? Are the directional sins, because we don't go into perfection, just as much a part of our life as the absolute sins can be? In Matthew chapter five again. That you bless, speak well of and do good, is that you may be like your father. Who causes the sun to shine and the rain to fall on both the just and the unjust? How does God treat the just and the unjust? Does He withhold the sun and the rain from the unjust and only shine and pour rain on the just? When did He offer His Son? Did He offer His Son when we were all friends? No, He offered His Son while we were what? We were all enemies. How does God treat those who don't regard Him highly? How does God treat those? He... Loves them enough to sacrifice his son. There's a mark that's set. That you may be like your father. Sometimes we talk about sin as missing the mark. And that word sin means missing the mark. But what's the mark that's being missed? It's not an absolute command. It's not, I didn't know drunkenness was wrong. I didn't know murder was wrong. That's not what he's talking about. The mark we miss is the mark of being transformed to be in the image of Christ. Am I striving toward the direction to be transformed to be like him? Do I look more like him today than I did 20 years ago? Am I going to look more like him this year than I did last year? Am I striving toward the mark in order to receive a prize? Only those who press toward the mark receive a prize. The goal is that we press toward a mark to be like Him. Are we pressing toward the mark or are we missing the mark? Are we missing the mark because all we've done is we describe described the absolutes. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. But we don't pay attention to the direction that we're walking. We're not going on to perfection. Which direction are we headed? Just a couple of things just to consider from a practical standpoint. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. You begin this this thought in Philippians chapter 4 in verse 6. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. Pause. Be anxious for nothing. What is the habit of the world with regard to being anxious for things? What's what's the habit of the world? They're worried about what they will eat, what they will drink, what they will wear. The most basic things of life. Those rudimentary things cause them anxiety. But here he says, be not anxious, but he says, be not anxious, but everything by prayer. Here's a person who comes to Christ, fresh out of the world. Are they going to accomplish that overnight? Is that going to be something to wake up the next morning and say, okay, I can pray like that. Well, they even know how to pray. Will they know what to pray. No. Where's the worry button? Where's the worry button you turn off? Where's the worry button you wake up the next morning, you turn the worry button off? There's not a worry button. What he's saying here is, as we go on to perfection, we learn something. We learn something about a mindset. We learn something about an attitude about what God provides for us. It may be when we're young, we haven't seen the, the righteous hungry and never left alone. But if we're older, we've seen the righteous hungry and never been left alone. God's always provided. You think about your life, through your life, and you think about the experiences you've had in life and how God has provided for you out of left field when you never expected to have anything that was provided because of what you were facing. But you don't turn that worry button off overnight. But with a process of time, You develop a mindset that says whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And when those things become our primary mindset, the anxiety for what the world is that crushes us so often is no longer a consideration, but it takes pressing on. It takes the direction to walk, to no longer be anxious, but let everything in prayer and supplication be made known to God. Again, that may not be something that's accomplished in a moment. And we may not the next day wake up and know how to pray, but we learn to pray, and we learn the mindset. And because we learn that, anxiety dissipates because we know what? God will not leave His people alone. Turn to First John. Turn to First John. Turn to 1 John chapter 3. I look down at verse 10. And this is the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Do you get that contrast there? The children of God on one side, the children of the devil on the other side. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. you got children of, de- of the devil? Don't love their brother. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. There's the direction. Not as Cain, who was wicked and murdered his brother. And why did he murder his brother? Because his work for evil and his brother's righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, the world hates you. We know we've passed from death to life, because we love the brethren, he who does not love his brother, abides in death. He hates his brother, is a murderer, and you know no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So on one side you have those who hate and they're children of the devil, and they have the heart of a murderer. On the other hand, you have those who are children of God and they, what? they love, they love one another. <coughs> now, are we always easy to love? Do some of us have some thorns about us? Maybe a little more thorny than we are with roses rose blooming? Are some of us a little more knuckleheaded than, than others? Well, we've got a few thorns and a knucklehead. We're just our brothers and sisters who have thorns and knuckleheads. And what does it say? Here God values us. God values His people. And because He puts a value on His people... I put a value on his people. That's the direction I'm going to go. I'm not going to hold my God's people in contempt and be a child of God. I'm not going to hold God's people as of little value and be a child of God. Do I have the same love for one another as God had for me? Is that the direction I'm walking? Thorns, knuckleheads, and all. Do I have that kind of value toward my brethren? Toward another. You see, that's a direction. There's something wrong. There's something wrong when that's not the direction that we're walking with regard to our brethren together. And so we come back to Hebrews chapter 5. And we see where we began. That there was a direction they were not headed that was right. The time had passed, they needed to be teachers, and someone teach them again the first principles of oracles of God. He said, it's not right that at this time you still can only handle milk because solid food belongs to those who go on to perfection. Absolutes, yes. No no way around the absolutes. But folks, let's pay attention to the direction we're walking as well. Let's pay attention to those things that are directional commands or those things that may be directional sins. How do I walk? How do I talk? What do I value? What's my heart? You see, the heart is largely a matter of the direction, not an absolute. I just ask you to think about that. Because I think this aspect of something directional is really significant for us. That is imperative for us in our going on to Perfection. To being transformed into the image of our Lord. Is that the direction that we're headed? If you've not come to Christ because you have been experiencing the Absolute or been walking in the direction of sin, you can change that. You can come to Him. Because you you know that He's the Son of God. You, you, You are convinced in your heart, you know that the evidence is abundant there. You know He's the Son of God. And you know He has the power to wash away your sins in the waters of baptism. Because you have had a change of mind about sin toward God. If we can help you in the direction you're walking, we want to help you walk in the direction closer to God. Why don't you come while we stand and while we sing? Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com, questions at thebibleway.com. We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can, but thank you for connecting with us.